Now hit this. Am I sharing? Hi, everybody. Am I sharing this correctly? Your way to check. Hey, we're having all these technical issues today. We are hopefully showing just the thing and not Lily's host screen. Is this perfect? Yeah, it's perfect. Okay, take my mask off. Oh, I don't, difference to make. You can't see me. Hey, this is Elliot Fishman, and Lily got this thing working. It didn't work on my laptop, didn't work on my desktop, but it's working on her desktop. So let's go through these cases. Okay, patient with right upper quadrant pain. You see a large vascular lesion, and the, it could be coming off the liver, but the epicenter is really the adrenal, particularly when you look at the coronal view. So now I'm seeing a very vascular necrotic adrenal mass that's large. What can I think of? Adrenal cortical carcinoma is number one. I guess a pheochromocytoma would be a possibility. Metastasis from renal cell, if the patient had uh, renal cell, which they don't have, that would be a thought. But I don't know what else I could really think of. Beautiful example on the volume rendering, showing you the hypervascularity, the central necrosis. I guess things like hemangiomas can be very vascular, but these look like neovascularity. This does not look like a benign lesion. This looks malignant. You can see it washes out, and on the washout, you can see how the uh, IVC is involved. The necrosis, so cystic lesions, big adrenal, solid masses enhancement, primary adrenal cortical carcinoma, unusual cystic pheo. And this was a primary adrenal cortical carcinoma. Here it is on the cinematic rendering, very nicely showing that. So just a really nice example of a cortical carcinoma. What about this case? Patient with shortness of breath. It's a female. It's in their 30s. Cystic spaces, uh, you can see the upper lungs pretty extensive. You could think of things like uh, Langerhans disease. Could it be just plain emphysema? It involves the upper, mid, and lower lung fields as you look through these images. You can see uh, upper, mid, and lower, and maybe the upper is a touch worse. What gives you multiple cystic spaces in the lung in a young female? What if I told you the patient also had a renal mass? Well, you can think of Langerhans. Our person, Dave Fagan, I was quizzing yesterday, thought that was a good thought. He went through some other emphysematous disease processes, but then came down on LAM, lymphangioliomyomatosis, often associated with tuberous sclerosis, often associated with renal angiomyolipoma. It's just a wonderful case for high-res CT. These patients also, here's just some of the synonyms. Lamb is the easiest thing to say. 30% of individuals with sporadic lamb and up to 80% of individuals with tuberous sclerosis lamb develop angiomyolipomas in the kidney. So remember angiomyolipomas in the kidney, either it's part of tuberous sclerosis where you see multiple or it's just an incidental finding, solitary lesion, more common in middle-aged females. And LAM is associated with a rare genetic disorder known as tuberous sclerosis. And both diseases are associated by mutations in one of two genes known as TSC1 or TSC2, okay? And the slides, if you wanna look at them more carefully, they're in the April edition of uh, CTSS Pearls. So you can see them there. And again, high-res CT is excellent to diagnose LAM. Now what about this case? Patient with spontaneous pneumothorax. 
So what gives you spontaneous pneumothorax? Metastasis to lung like osteosarcoma. Endometriosis can do it as well. Obviously, underlying cystic lung disease, this patient has multiple cysts, but it's a young patient. And one of the things, if you read all those slides carefully, and I didn't show you all the slides, patients with LAM get spontaneous pneumothoraces. The effusions often are chyle-like, and you see there's a mass in the patient's left kidney. That was a lipid-poor angiomyolipoma. And this patient also had lymphangiomatosis, lymphangiolymyomatosis, LAM. Again, cystic lesions, spontaneous pneumothoraces, renal lesions that are typically angiomyolipomas. And again, some pulmonary lamb patients can present with shortness of breath, uh, wheezing, chest pain, uh, hemoptysis, pulmonary hemorrhage. Up to 60% of individuals with LAM experience a pneumothorax at some point in their life. And in fact, about one third of the patients present with pneumothoraces. So a really good case, great case, okay? You're not gonna see many, but now you know everything there is to know about LAM. Next case, nausea and vomiting. The stomach is distended and there's food matter. And then you see thickening of the antrum. When I see a lot of food, ma food matter, assuming the patient did not eat nine cheeseburgers, I'm always thinking about delayed gastric emptying, possibly due to obstruction, be it duodenum or stomach, but also uh, poor gastric motility. You would think about that as well. But in this case, the antrum is diffusely infiltrated. And you can see it very nicely on the image on your right, the volume rendered views. Now, this could be the worst case of ulcer disease with inflammation, but when I see this type of thickening, it's carcinoma till proven otherwise. Occasionally, you can be fooled by lymphoma. Lymphoma usually is bulkier. Lymphoma also has more nodes. This was an adenocarcinoma. There's some stranding around the stomach. You can see stranding with infiltration by tumor into the perigastric fat but also if the patient's had a biopsy, which wasn't the case here, or if the patient had an ulcer and the ulcer can spread beyond the stomach. So just a really, really nice example, distended stomach, infiltration of the antrum, carcinoma, gastric adenocarcinoma. Again, the importance of gastric distension, just a beautiful example. And that's the answer. Now, following up with this case, Look at the stomach. Now you can say, well, is it distended? I'm telling you, yes. Look at the mucosa and submucosa. Look at the ascites. And when you think about the stomach and you look at it a bit more, it's diffusely infiltrated. That's a linitis plastica appearance. Yes, this could be a primary adenocarcinoma of the stomach infiltrating, but also you need to think about breast cancer. Metastasis to the stomach, most classically from breast, gives you a linitis plastica appearance. The patient you may have thought was cured from breast cancer, then they recur in the, in the abdomen, you can see ascites, you see the stomach, just a beautiful example of linitis plastica. Now that's why we always want the stomach well distended. If your stomach is not distended, you can easily miss this diagnosis. Here it is beautifully shown on the patient's coronal 3D cinematic rendering. Just a great case of metastatic breast cancer. Okay, here it is on the cinematic. Just a really nice case. Another example, back pain. 
This is kind of a crazy case, non-contrast. Collaterals in the subcutaneous tissue. Then you have these masses which look like the kidney that are calcified. And then you have infiltration around the aorta. Now the kidneys are relatively small. If you look carefully, you can kind of see them here and here. But now you have dense calcification and the calcification infiltrates around the patient's aorta and IVC. What could do this? Well, calcifications can be seen in amyloid. Calcifications can be seen from radiation, but that was not the history here. Calcifications also can be seen in patients with end-stage renal disease. Now, the soft tissue thickening around the aorta, what could that be? It could be treated tumor. There was no history of treatment. But you could think about retroperitoneal fibrosis. Retroperitoneal fibrosis in cases, the aorta, the IVC, can obstruct the ureters, can infiltrate into peri and parenal space. And in a patient with end-stage renal disease, retroperitoneal fibrosis can calcify. And look at this on the coronal view, the encasement around the aorta and IVC. Just really beautiful examples. And you see this encasement and infiltration of the kidneys. Beautiful example of retroperitoneal fibrosis with calcifications due to end-stage renal disease. What a terrific, terrific, interesting case. What about this patient with back pain? Stranding by the left kidney, the left kidney looks large. Non-contrast, could there be an abscess present? Could there be inflammation? Could it be a tumor? You give contrast, there's patchy, decreased attenuation in the left kidney. And as you get more images and you go toward later phase, you can see it has a mass effect, but it really is hypodense. The kidney's large. You see the stranding, and then you go to excretory phase, and you see it very nicely as well. And this is mass-like, but this is a case of infection. Focal pyelonephritis can look mass-like. Decreased attenuation, mass effect on early and late phase imaging, and this was acute pyelonephritis. So again, just to show you, sometimes infection and tumor can look very similar. So clinical history can be helpful, and sometimes your analysis will make it all happen. Well, another case, elevated LFTs. Vascular lesion, 3.7 centimeters right lobe of the liver. It doesn't look like hemangioma. I guess you could be putting in there FNH, hepatic adenoma, metastasis, hepatoma. The liver looks a little bit cirrhotic. The patient's had some prior resection. The lesion washes out, but it's not washing out like FNH or hepatic adenoma. This is a concerning lesion. It could be hepatoma, you're right. But this ended up being on biopsy of cholangiocarcinoma. I show this case to make the point that cholangiocarcinomas can be vascular. We tend to think of them as large masses that are hypodense, but not necessarily. We also talk about cholangios, which involve the common duct, cholangios that are, involve the hilum of the liver. So here's a lesion with cystic and solid left lobe. You can see it nicely on the cinematic. You can see it nicely when you give contrast. You can think of a kinococcal cyst as usually calcified. You could think about metastasis, like a GIST tumor, an excellent thought, GIST can be solid, melanoma can be solid and cystic as well. You could think about an abscess, that, that did not match the history, but it can occur. 
abscesses are more common in the right lobe, particularly amoebic abscesses. What else? Well, this is a great case. Cystic and solid mass, left lobe of liver. I'm going with malignant. I'm going with METS maybe. But what about a primary? Could it be hepatoma? Kind of a bit cystic, not very vascular. A lesion that can be cystic and solid could be a cholangiocarcinoma. And there are cystic cholangios. They're not always infiltrating. They're not always involving the common duct. And like the last case, they're not always vascular. So I'm showing a couple examples of cholangiocarcinomas and to show you what a difficult diagnosis cholangio can be, even if when you think about it, you may not get it right. But a beautiful example of a cystic cholangio. So cholangios are the second most common primary hepatobiliary malignancy, three separate types, mass forming, periductal infiltrating, and intraductal growing. And of course, the cases I showed you were mass forming. The importance of recognizing these lesions, knowing what to do next, and how to prove the diagnosis becomes very, very important. Again, this is in the April Pearl section. Um, cholangios um, can be mass forming, okay, which I showed you, can be cystic, can also be uh, ductal. So just a very, very nice uh, words of wisdom. And you could read this at your convenience. So again, it can be a very confusing lesion. Cholangia sometimes are the lesion of last resort, but sometimes you just don't think about them because it looks like other lesions. So I think the word is give it some thought. And you can see the mimickers of cholangiohepatoma, combined hepatocellular cholangio, sclerostomangioma, that's rare, confluent fibrosis, lymphoma, and adenocarcinoma metastasis. And again, even benign things, IG4-related, sclerosing cholangitis, gallbladder cancer, but usually it's much more aggressive looking, and the gallbladder is involved, TB and IPMN of the uh, duct. So that's, I think, eight cases, and that's the end. Now, for the faculty, I showed 30 cases. For you, my friends, you get eight, but that was an hour long, and this is only 15 minutes or so long. So with that, I thank everybody for their attention, and I hope you enjoyed this talk. See you later.